Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Rockstar guest today. This woman is a geologist, no pun intended, with a bachelor's from Indiana University of PA, a master's from the University of Missouri, broad energy sector experience in startups through highly regulated large-scale organizations, as well as private, private equity-backed, public companies. She's been an executive for several different companies, also has experience as a president and CEO, which is pretty cool. And she even recently completed the highly selective women's director development program at the Kellogg School of Executive Management. I was fortunate to have the opportunity to work with, learn from, work under this woman as one of my corporate leaders and colleagues at TC Energy. And I'm thrilled to have her on the show today. Wendy Stratman, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Phil. Appreciate it. So, Wendy, tell us a little bit about your story. Obviously, you've got a broad range of experience. Well, how'd you get into leadership? What, you know, give us a little bit about your background, where you're from. How'd you get into geology? <laughs> okay, great. No, I'm happy to answer that. Geology, it was, it was kind of an accident uh, and a good, a good one at that. Um, you know, when I first went to college, I knew I wanted to be a scientist. I loved physics. I started out in physics and, uh, Oh, I had to add another natural science one semester to my curriculum, and the line for biology was just too long for my day. So I saw this uh, subject called geology, and the line was pretty short, and so I asked if it would fulfill my requirement. It surely did, and I, I fell in love with geology from that, because it's a good mix of physics and chemistry and biology all wrapped together, and and uh, really, it fit my analytical style. Uh, so, uh, so I started out in uh, geology and then uh, ended up in uh, oil and gas. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't by design at first, but when I learned about the oil and gas industry from geology, um, I thought, wow, that, that's where I want to be. You know, it, oil and gas industry, any in energy aspect, uh, it, it matters. And I wanted to be part of that, you know. Um, one, one great quote I heard a, a while ago was, um, you know, uh, energy isn't aspirational, meaning, you know, uh, heat uh, and, and uh, for cooking and all of that sort of thing. It's, it's something that we need. It, it, our standard of living depends on cheap energy and reliable energy. And so um, because it matters so much to everyone's life every day, it's like, that that just really attracted me to oil and gas and, and energy and industry in general. So, uh, so that's really kind of how I got into it. Um, and, you know, from there, I, I did uh, manage my own career with the different companies. You know, if you stay with a major, they're going to move you around every one, two, maybe three years. Um, and uh, if you're, you know, a high performer, they'll do that, you know, and you can do that within one company. But being with smaller companies, I had to do that on my own, and I got a great uh, variety of experiences and with those different business types. So I got to learn a lot from that, and so that's been a, a, a great path for me. It's, it's helped me get to where I'm at now. Super duper cool. I love your, your why behind getting into energy, and I wish mine wasn't as shallow as it is compared to yours. 
I, I came to engineering school because I knew my dad was an engineer who worked in energy and I knew what engineers who worked in energy made. And I was like, well, that's better than, you know, working for the city or doing, doing that. But, you know, getting to TC and hearing, you know, deliver the energy, delivering the energy people need every day and really understanding yeah. that valuable service to the communities in which we live and work. You know, that's, that's yeah. a huge why behind energy that lots of people maybe take for granted um, who, who maybe aren't as exposed to the industry. Oh, for sure. And, and it actually, it should be taken for granted. You know, um, that's how, that's how we operate in, in the U S anyway, is that we have this reliable source and this great standard of living that, frankly, a lot of others in the world would like to, to be part of as well, you know, so, um, you know, I don't mind it being taken for granted, you know, but then again, that presents its challenges when, you know, folks don't fully understand the necessity of it. And mm-hmm. so we can talk about that in depth all day long, if you want, <laughs> on the supply and demand side. But. Yeah, we're kind of branching into the, the detailed energy conversation early. I know you've put out some articles okay. on it. Um, or at least uh, at least shared some of your perspective. What what do you think about energy and the energy transition and kind of where we're headed globally from an energy perspective? You touched on it a bit, but maybe just elaborate a little more. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm happy to. You know, what you see in the in the news and the press right now is a lot of the talk on the supply side. You know, on clean energy, um, and that's a good conversation. However, the, the demand side of that conversation is lacking. Um, and, you know, it's uh, certainly not lost on you and I, but on others, you know, they may not understand that demand is only increasing for energy um, as, as population grows globally. And so um, oil and gas are, will certainly be a part of that energy mix for a long, long time to come. Um, there's no getting around that. and uh, but, you know, I certainly do subscribe to the um, clean pathway as well, because we need clean energy sources as well. Um, and so, you know, we are in this transition, um, you know, and we need to talk about transitioning pragmatically. You know, it can't happen overnight. It can't happen in 20 years, uh, truly. Uh, we're talking about massive infrastructure changes. And so, um, I think that we kind of have to get back to that discussion on that, you know, that going back to that quote, energy is not aspirational, right? It's not something we aspire to. We have to have it. And so getting that piece into the conversation and talking about the demand that's really there um, is really important. Um, you know, I don't think people are ready for rolling brownouts or blackouts to, you know, happen on a consistent basis because we just don't have the uh, supply in place right now from just singular um, clean energy sources. So uh, again, I think oil and gas has to be part of that, that's that talk and and be realistic part of the conversation. And I'd like to do what I can to drive that. Yeah, I think that's huge. And the perspective that, you know, there's still billions of people potentially out there that don't have access to the energy and the lifestyle that we do. And with all this supply that we do have, you know, how do we even get those groups of people to a certain standard of living? Even, you know, there's, I think there's some social obligation maybe, maybe there. 
Yeah, um, yeah, but I heard that as well. And and yes, and there's again, oil and gas is part of the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some really remote places that you know I'm I'm probably going to break away from oil and gas a bit. But for those remote places, solar. Uh, solar makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. you know, so I know I would push that because it, it is certainly part of the solution. Uh, so, uh, you know, we just have to kind of, again, think pragmatically about the the whole uh, globe, if you will, in that sense. Sure. We touched a little bit on your broad career experience. What's your favorite experience that you've had and and why is it your favorite? Oh man, there's so many. Um, you know, I would say I really enjoyed um, TC Energy uh, recent experience, um, and that was uh, really got into leading a team more on the coaching side. I found throughout my career I'm, I'm gra- gravitating to more of a coaching style and getting management teams to think about strategy on their own and, and all of that. And I was put into a position at one point at TC where I had to gain the trust of the folks that would be working with me uh, very quickly. And it was a pretty big organization. And so I couldn't just bring my own thoughts to the table. I had to get the team to come up with their own on, uh, you know, and, and then, hold them accountable for, for what they came up with as, as far as strategies and development go. And um, I think I did a pretty good job at that and uh, brought some really great leaders into that team and organization and got opportunities for others um, the, that they're excelling in. And I really like watching that happen. So I would say that's probably the most satisfying one. Um, now, there were certainly others, like a, a great example uh, was, you know, I was in a company where they had some significant safety issues. I mean, every week somebody could have uh, been killed. And and that was really a rough time for them and, and for me and lots of sleepless nights and stuff. And so I worked with my team very hard to come up with a strategy on how to, to keep the machine rolling without sacrificing that safety aspect and we were really successful at eliminating the uh, safety incidents we really cut back you know the organizational capacity just wasn't there to do as much as we were being asked to to do and so pulling back while still meeting our metrics uh, for productivity um, was is really a significant contribution as well that I'm pretty proud of that's awesome I the kind of touching on the importance of energy other people often and and i'm like for example like i see that little gas meter in front of in front of my house now totally differently after being in energy and the seriousness of decisions at the corporate executive level you know having a fiduciary responsibility to a company that has such an obligation to the community like what what's that pressure like you know do you what goes through your mind as an executive when you know that that really you're you have that level of responsibility and and honestly the you know people's lives are are potentially at stake oh for sure um yeah there there's always uh, pressure but i'd like to think that once someone gets to that level that they um, understand that responsibility pretty well and and handle it um you know there's always multiple multiple, I'd say, uh, points that come into play and you have to work with a group of other people to make that decision. It's, you, you learn that it's never about 
you and you're not the only the one making the decision. It's, it's usually a collective effort. Um, it has to be at the end of the day because these decisions are so critical. Because um, you're like, it can be a life, life and death situation uh, when you're doing that. And so, again, you know, bringing all the different lenses to the table, whether it's a regulatory lens, a safety lens, an economic lens, and, and putting that all together and having some good discussions with others on the, on the right path forward is, is where you end up going. So, you know, the pressure kind of gets, I guess, disseminated somewhat because you are with a group of people that, you know, you, you know and trust and, and uh, work through that together. So you mentioned how you gravitated toward more of a coaching sort of mentality in your leadership role. How did you get into leadership? Was there a moment where you realized that you were passionate about leadership versus being an individual contributor? Um, you know, there was never that singular moment that struck me as, hey, this is what I want to do. Um, it was always, a, it's a, it, for me, it was a series of moments, I would say, as I went along my career. Um, you know, sometimes it was being at the right place at the right time, nothing magical about it, and an opportunity came up, and I was just happened to be there, and it was it was great opportunity. Sometimes it was, you know what, I had to move my family and go to a different area and, um, you know, really talk, talk with my family and I get support from them. And I guess some other uh, close confidants that I had to say, is this the right thing for me to do? Because, you know, I kind of felt like, hey, this step felt normal and natural for me. Um, you know, so I would say that, yeah, I have a scientific background and I like the, the, um, spent a good 10 years probably doing the professional side but then you know as I matured it was I think I can lead a team I like leading teams um, I grew in, in strategic thinking and I got pretty good at that and so and then it was like okay the piece I was missing was developing people um, and so I worked worked on that you know it, and it was fun so I would just say it was just kind of a series of moments all along. Very cool. Very cool. I know you've recently completed the uh, Women's Director Development Program. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what you learned from that program at Kellogg. Okay. Um, well, that was a fantastic program. Um, and what I would say about that is I learned that what organizational fit means, you know, um, it's not um, about sameness. It's more about that you can, what you can bring to the table as a, a unique contributor and bringing your perspective in. And so having a, a fit from that standpoint, rather than necessarily being um, the same, same as everybody else. I think that that was really important for me to learn from that um, experience, and that you know, having this broad career background that I have is actually pretty valuable. Um, I feel like I can go into any organization, and bringing that big broad background with me, I can come up with a strategy that will fit whatever that business needs at that time. Um, and so, you know, that was something else I learned about myself at that, at that, um, at that course. Um, and then they also brought forward the, you know, coaching style, you know, as you 
go and leave maybe management opportunities and go for that board of director role, you're not managing day to day anymore. Uh, you're not even building the strategy, but you're asking the questions that help others, uh, you know, build strategies and making sure that they're covering all aspects that could come in from, from a risk perspective, from an economic perspective, um, and uh, certainly safety, those sorts of things. So it's, it's that coaching style that really came out of that, um, that class as well. So very cool. Very cool. I've always wondered because, uh, I've, I've, I've thought about getting my MBA. I know many that have, um, I've heard different opinions on going and getting more high level executive en education. Is it something that you highly recommend? Um, well, that's a good question, you know, cause I've seen it where people have gotten MBAs and then maybe it was in a time in their career where they couldn't use it right afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then it, it ended up kind of getting lost. I mean, education is something people can't ever take away from you, and it's good to have. I would never say never get an MBA, um, but be prepared to use it afterwards. You know, are you, uh, you, you use it within a couple of years, get yourself a position for an opportunity in a company that you're in or some other company that can, can use uh, aspects of that education to, to really put it to good use because I've seen folks that they've gotten it and then they're still doing their professional engineering work or geologic work for years afterwards. Mm -hmm. Again, having the background is great, but you know, hopefully you can use it and that's the key. Yeah, I totally agree. You see some, some folks get it right out of university with little to no experience. And I, I imagine going back, you know, after yeah. five or 10 years experience would be way more valuable. Yeah, I would, uh, I would tend to agree with that. Your recent article, um, you wrote a post an article about your five pronged approach to developing high performance teams. Tell us a little bit about your approach and uh, maybe a time where you've used that approach effectively at one of the organizations you've been a part of. Uh, well, I've used it multiple times effectively, <laughs> like to say, so that approach means uh, it's kind of a, Five, it's a five point star and it's, you know, having the right management processes in, having the right metrics slash motivators in place, organizational structure, it, it's important as well. Um, information flows, how does information flow within your organization? That's pretty critical. And then decision rights, who has them and make sure that that's clear. So. That's the approach. Now, all of that is tied to the culture and the vision and the strategy. That's kind of the center point of that star. And so whenever I've gone into a new situation, became a leader of a new team, um, I've kind of applied that and to see, okay, where are we with those, those five different aspects? Um, and um, a lot of times when I see if it's a, as a team that's struggling, it's not one of the five aspects. They're still kind of back at the central nugget where the cultural alignment isn't there. That's where I found most uh, teams struggle with that. And once they kind of get their vision down and their cultural alignment in place, those five prongs can kind of really sort themselves out. And so, um, you know, met, I would say I have to think metrics and motivators are probably one of the most important 
to kind of get done. I, I, I am a metric person. I love those. <laughs> and, uh, you know, measure what you measure is, is uh, be careful about that, right? That whole adage, you know, be careful about what you measure because that's what you're going to get is your result. Um, mm -hmm. It's very true. And so if you have the right metrics in place and, and, and you have to be flexible with them, they'll change over time. But if you have those right metrics in place, that means that you have a good strategy is in place behind that and you're all pointed in the, in the right alignment. So you're all working on the same initiatives. So those all kind of, you know, the output is the metric. And so if, if you got that right, you've got a lot of other things right in your organization. So sometimes I've used it, I've used it at TC, um, certainly with the, as you're familiar with the uh, technical operational services team, um, you know, the uh, directors that worked with me, they designed the vision themselves. I faci facilitated that. So that was the coaching aspect. But by having them design it and owning it themselves, I could hold them accountable to that vision and, and ask them the question, okay, now does this align with the vision? Of, of where we're trying to go as an organization. And that, that question takes the, the pause and it's like, oh, well, maybe it doesn't, or maybe I should add this in or something like that. And so our conversations evolve that way. So you know, uh, I've used it effectively, I think, with, the, with that organization and in past organizations I've ever worked with, it's always really come down to, to uh, those, those five keys, you know, structure, Multiple different kinds of structures can work within an organization. Um, some lean more towards standardization approaches and some lean to more kind of innovative, fast approaches. And um, either one can work. It's just, you know, sometimes you have to have more mature leadership within the more structured approach. Um, and because you have to have, you're going to have more, um, uh, kind of dashed line links to others and sometimes that gets folks crosswise but if everyone has the same metrics that they should be motivated to go the same direction so again that getting that yeah. alignment yeah. Is, is one thing I love that. about the approach is I think it leads you to ask the right questions and yeah. uh, I'm a big believer that questions really drive our thinking and in those situations, like you just gave that example, you know, asking that right question, does this align with our values? And it, it really kind of directs you to make sure you're asking those right questions. Um, as you're developing people, how do you go about developing people? What's, what's your approach? You mentioned that's something that you, you've had the opportunity to do more recently in your career. Um, how do you go about that? Because as a, you know, as a young, maybe young aspiring leaders, maybe haven't thought about that as much as uh, people that have had experience. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very unique individualized approach for every single person. And, and I use different leadership styles within the same person sometimes. It all depends on their competency and their capabilities. And you have to do a little bit of an assessment, you know, of, of those, you know, yourself and with them and say, you know, how good are they at having the right, um, competencies in place, the skill sets to do the work that they're trying to do. And then do they have the motivation to do it? And so that's always another key. So what do I need to do as a leader to one, 
adjust the motivation if it needs to be adjusted and get them the skill sets that they need to have. Uh, example is I had one leader great on the business side, understood the business metrics and drivers um, from an economic standpoint, but the new the new kind of engineering aspects were, were were actually new. That person had never done that work before. So in that new area, I was very directive and meaning like I'm, a, I'm that bird on the shoulder saying, okay, make sure you ask your team this question, this very specific question, ask them, and then that's going to lead you into some more questions on your own. And they're like, oh, okay, yes. But when it comes to building the strategy around the economics of their, of, of what they were managing, I just leave them alone and say, yeah, you let me know what you've come up with and I'm going to let you run on that, you know? And, and uh, so it depends on the role that person is in and what their competency and uh, capabilities are for it. And I will change my style to, um, to help either being directive coaching, you know, anything like that, around that I'll adjust. So I, I think great. you just have to do it individualized, right? Know, know your people. Yeah, you got to know your people. And I think uh, it's very easy with how busy organizations are today. You know, we're stretched really thin. And I think it's easy to get caught up in sort of the day-to-day busyness of uh, the yeah. asks and not focus on really getting to know and understand what drives and motivates your people. Um, yeah. How does your thought process change going from a vice president role to a president and CEO sort of role like do you does there a different thought process in your approach because i know you spent several years as a as a president and ceo pr- prior to coming to tc again as a as a vp right just curious um you know it's actually more driven by the size of the company you know being a president of something small um you wear all the hats you know, you know, you don't have to have very strong processes or whatever because you know the guy down the hall to go talk to, right? Um, and then being a VP in TC Energy is a very big organization. My thought process has the change in that, oh, we actually need structure. People aren't necessarily going to know who the, the, the person is to do this other role and so you have to have like a a process in place and you have to balance that with actually making sure work gets done don't over process um, but you don't want to have an under as well so it's always a balance as an organization is in a growth mode like tc energy is 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 adjusting the processes because people come and go in those roles a lot Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, having things kind of a workflow in place is helpful to the person coming into the role, as well as everybody else in the organization understanding what that person's responsibilities are. But, you know, going back to where I was a president CEO, it was a small company. I have not been a president or a CEO of a large company, I'll say that. But, you know, probably something similar would be more of a vice president in a larger so it's all about understanding your business situation and what's needed in that particular situation to have that thought process shift. Yeah, very interesting. I'd, I'd imagine, you know, when the buck stops with you, it's, it's a very different mentality sort of too that, you know, it's, uh, 
everything, you know, it's either you or, or nobody else. Right. It's a, uh, it's a different level of thought, I guess, and pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely more on the financial pressure side, you know, if, sure. you know, I would, I grant you that, you know, on the, it should be as well in a, in a smaller one, but you just have some blinders on in a, in a, when you're in a, a vice president role in a large organization, you do have blinders on because you can't see the big machine as clearly. Um, and so there's some safety in that, I would say, when you talk about pressure. Um, but, um, you know, when you're, when you're the president of a smaller company, yeah, every, everything else is on you. Everybody else's livelihood matters to mm -hmm. you very, very, um, very much. So. Yeah. Very cool. So switching gears a little bit, I know you're lover of the outdoors. Uh, what, yeah. tell, talk about your favorite outdoor adventures and, and what do you like to do most in your outdoor activities? Um, wow. So anything out of doors is, is great. So uh, I, I think that's what kind of guided me towards geology and looking at rocks. But uh, so right now, uh, hiking and biking are uh, my favorite things to do outdoors and um, actually I'm, I'm going to go to one of our great national parks here next week and to socially distance from everybody and do a lot of uh, hiking um, and look at some beautiful scenery and we're talking you know 10 mile plus hikes you know daily so um, so I do uh, enjoy the hiking. Um, biking is always fun because you see a whole lot more because <laughs> you can go a lot further than just 10 miles. And see. But um, so I would say that, that those are the two things that I like the most right now. Very cool. Very cool. All right. We're going to do a kind of a lightning round of other questions. So favorite movie? Moonstruck. <laughs> Moonstruck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Favorite book? Grapes of Wrath by oh. John Steinbeck. Okay, yeah. classic. Yeah. Favorite quote? You said a quote already, but favorite quote? Oh no! Yeah, and this is this is one I've heard pretty recent. It's a uh, be stubborn about your goals, but flexible about your methods. And that's a J.J. Watt. Oh, that's a J.J. Watt quote. I like that is a JJ Watt quote. quote. Yes. <laughs> My wife likes JJ Watt too. Um, <laughs> so, uh, favorite podcast? Uh, go lead everything. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd either get that answer or another good one for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, last one. What about uh, favorite food? Salmon. Oh, really? Same yes, huh? I can eat it every day. So. Okay. I lied. One more. Yeah. One Favorite way to waste time? Um, you know, social media. Sometimes in the evenings before I go to sleep, I scroll probably too much. But yeah. It's interesting. What What's your overall perspective on social media? I've, I've gotten more into it over the last couple months as I've uh, branched out into this goalie everything adventure. Um, notice you're fairly active on LinkedIn specifically. What are, are you on other media platforms? What's your approach to social media? Um, you know, it's a tool, just like lots of other avenues are. You know, meeting face to face, but it, it's a it's a great tool for um, getting 
communications out quickly to a lot of people. Now, your message may get lost in that, and so you have to be a little bit careful about that, but I think it's, it is a great tool. I mean, we've seen it change, um, you know, actually countries, right? You know, so I, I'm a fan of social media. You know, it has its drawbacks where there's a lot of misinformation that can be out there as well. You just have to be smart and think about uh, what you're what you're looking at and, and again, what you're putting out on that platform. So I'm a big fan of social media at the end of the day. I'd have to agree. When it came out, I was in my high school days. So you know, when we got to the work world, it was like, uh-oh, everybody, you know, turn off your social media when you're interviewing for jobs so they don't see all those pictures of you drinking in college or whatever. But uh, I agree. I think it's a tool. I think it's it's uh, definitely something that you can use very purposefully. And um, as you see, the political landscape, I think, has changed dramatically because of certain individuals using it very purposefully. Um, yes. So I'd have to agree with you. What advice do you have for aspiring women who are interested in pursuing leadership at high levels and maybe talk about a unique challenge that you faced as a woman in leadership? Okay. All right. So the the first part of that question is, um, you know, I think for women or any kind of underrepresented represented group, um, you need to have kind of um, somebody to help champion you. Uh, you need a, a, an extra voice out there. Um, you know, a lot of people have connections, you know, and, and industry is like, oh, well, I got this job because I know somebody. And that's very common. Um, but, you know, minority groups, they may not have those connections. And so, you know, I think that that's something that folks really need to consider. So um, for women in particular, um, you know, I've read a lot about, oh, get a, a, a higher level female mentor. And, and that is great. There's some perspective there that can be um, drawn upon that's unique and useful in that situation. But what I would say more is more important is to get a man that's out there champions you and is, is your advocate, is, is your mentor. Um, because, you know, um, at the end of the day, in most companies, most management, most board of directors, they're all, they're, they're mostly still male dominated. It's not 50% women yet. Um, and so those connections really are made through men. They have the power to advocate for you. Um, so if I were um, to advocate for more diversity in an organization, um, that could come across as, well, you're a woman, of course you're going to say that. But if a man were to say that, it has a lot more meaning. It really does. And so I would encourage women to reach out to, to male mentors or, or try to get that um, somebody on their side from within an organization or outside the organization is just as important. Uh, so that would be my advice. Um, but it is very common for a woman to sink out another woman. Um, and I always try to tell them, go, go try to find a guy at the end of the day, you know, yeah. it's, it, it, it's, it's helpful. So um, that would be kind of the, the, 
the message I would say now some things I've experienced I mean I have laundry lists of them and you know from early on in my career I um, I was pregnant and I came back to work after I had my baby and I had found out that there were bets in the office on whether I was going to come back to work or not. Now, the, that, the, the fact that I was coming back to work never even crossed my mind that I wasn't going to, right? Sure, but yet, sure. it was out there and, um, you know, my supervisor said he was surprised that I came back and I'm like, wow, you know, did, did not understand the, that um, that hurt. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it did. It was like, well, that's how they view me, and it can make you, it can knock you down the peg. It can take the confidence out of you if you're, if if you experience things like that. And that's something small, but it, the impact can be so meaningful and so great. Um, and so, so that was one. Um, you know, and those are the things you kind of ignore, let slide, and let your work, you know, answer to those types of things that come forward, but. A lot of times, even um, even recently, I know I'm certainly being used to being the only woman in a room, you know, at a meeting. Um, and um, but that's not okay anymore. And I'm I'm learning to find to to find my voice and 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 get that message out. Like we have had lots of service companies come into TC Energy, and they'll have an entourage of all all white men with them. Not that being a white man is a bad thing. Sure. I'm just saying there isn't that diversity there. Um, and I am um, I am able to then tell somebody that maybe is superior to me and say, hey, did you notice that? Because I certainly noticed it every time. I'm comfortable in that situation, but I notice it. I said, can, you know, and we, we talked about it and then they were really pretty smart and saying, hey, well, I can probably ask them in a way that says like, hey, you know, diversity is important to TC Energy. How is your company, what does your company think about diversity? And I thought that was a really great solution of how this person could bring it up. But the problem came when that person said, oh, well, why don't you say that? Would you like to say that? And I'm like, wait, wait, it's not as impactful as it is coming from me as it would be from a guy. Because if you notice your leader saying that, you tend to say, okay, that's what's important to that leader. And you're going to then start to mirror that, right? You're going to take the cues at least from that. So I think it's important for you, Phil, as you continue in your career progression to kind of keep those things in mind, you know, with whatever minority type group that you might be working with. If you see something, um, you know, try to figure out a great way to bring it up. Now, and people are taking cues from me the whole time. So, so those would be some of the things that I've experienced. That's really interesting. And a perspective, I mean, I knew I'd thought of the uncomfortability of maybe how it is for most women. Like I can imagine going to a room full of women only and being the only guy in a room at a business meeting, which would not typically happen at an energy company just, uh, by history, right. but you know, it definitely would be different. Um, and yeah, that's a, that's a good perspective, Wendy. Um, you've touched on mentorship a little bit and seeking out mentors. Have you had mentors that have had a huge impact on your life and how have they helped you most? Maybe what, what's some of the best advice that they've given you? Oh, 
uh, yeah, I've had, I've have, and I still have several. I have, you know, some people like to call them their personal board of directors. Um, I certainly have them, and you know, the impact is, you know, choosing ones that are supportive of you. They're kind of like your cheerleaders, but somebody who will also tell you the the hard truth. You know, if you need that as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they're the ones that can help bring your confidence back if something has happened and um, where it's like, wow, should I have done that or something else going on in your, your life, either whether it's personal or professional life. And if that person says, you know, can have that step back and see the big picture for you and help you clear your head and say, hey, no, you did the right thing. Everything is going to be fine. You're this, this and that. And these are all really wonderful qualities go out and get it, you know, and, and, and that is always good to hear, you know, everybody needs to hear, hear those, those positive things about them every once in a while, you know, you don't want to get a big head about it, but you, you still need it, right? Even the best of us. So. Yeah, I agree. It always is nice to hear. I know I've noticed over the last couple of years that maybe in my younger days, I valued that feedback maybe a little more than I should have. And um, I don't know if you listen to a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. He's very popular. I've listened to quite a bit of his stuff recently, but he talks a lot about, you know, not listening to the booze or the cheers and um, trying to just be even keel and, you know, doing the right thing for you and making the right decisions based on your motivation being right. And uh, I really like that perspective because I think sometimes people may tend to lean on that maybe more than they should, but I totally agree with you that sometimes, especially when you're feeling down, it's nice to hear, um, you know, some of that good feedback, uh, and perspective as well. Having somebody on your side is always good. Yeah. And you know, and it's a great tool for building teams. Bill, for when I first, uh, got the toss organization there at TC energy, I had a lot of new members come onto that team. We didn't know each other that well. Um, and, uh, you know, to help build the team camaraderie, we went and we took a, a whiteboard and just wrote down, everyone had to take turns of, of saying good positive qualities about a specific person in that room. And, and you know, that was that. they're really good at this. And we had pages on each person. Wow. And everyone, I'm like, now you take that page. You know, I actually typed it up for them and had it delivered. And I said, now, when you're feeling bad at work someday, you take that page out and look at what all of your, your um, coworkers said about you, all these really wonderful things, and, and pick yourself up by the bootstraps and get back after it. You know, and so that can work, too. And I, that's just a good tool for your team. Yeah, I think they that's great. The, the things that weren't so good about everybody. <laughs> My mom has always repeated... Uh, the phrase praise people to success. Um, and I'm, I'm a big believer in that, you know, you want to encourage those good behaviors and not necessarily focus on discouraging bad ones. Even, you know, you want to discourage bad ones, but I think you do by encouraging that good behavior. Um, yes, absolutely. So I'm curious, are you a woman of faith? And if so, how does your faith background shape your perspective on leadership? So, so the answer to that is yes, um, and I would say I'm probably the average bear in that. I don't lean on it probably as much as I could or draw from it as much as I could, um, but what it does is I feel like it gives me a good moral anchor 
on what what is right and how to treat people at the end of the day. And that's really what I, I draw from it. Um, you know, uh, and you know, I hear a thing, oh, sometimes hope isn't a plan. Surely it's not a plan, but if you don't have hope, then you can't even build a plan. So I think with faith, you have faith and hope. It helps, helps you be positive and seeing that there's a way to, to make something happen. Mm-hmm. So, so that, those are the things I would say. Yeah, those are great. Those are great. I, I totally think that the motivation is so key and, and, you know, that approach to how you interact with other people and, you know, faith, hope, and love the greatest of these is love and, and really acting out of love towards people can be tough when you, you know, maybe you disagree about something or, or, uh, they're not treating you as well as you might want to be treated. Uh, you know, yeah. so it, uh, it's huge. And having that, that source of truth, I think is so key and helpful to navigate the world. So yes. I'm curious, do you have daily habits that, have helped you along your success journey? And if so, what are they? Um, yes. Yeah, so one is exercise. I know um, I try to do something, you know, every day around that. And so I think that that helps, you know, mind, body, and soul. I think, you know, the body piece is very, very helpful and helps, uh, helps you with having a, a clear, head and direction you can think things through and having that reflection time I think exercise is great for that and and the other piece for that is always my family uh, so important to me I make sure that they're engaged in what I'm doing and what I'm feeling like um, so that they can be a support for me and I can be that support for them and um, so I think that those are two of the things that have really have helped me out a great deal Awesome. Very cool. It's, uh, it's can be challenging, especially when you're as busy as I know executives are to make sure you're keeping time with your family, a priority. So, um, that's huge. And, um, so Wendy, this has been absolutely fantastic. I've loved our conversation. Tell us what you're up to. Tell us where people can find you. What's going on? So, um, as you mentioned, I'm active on LinkedIn, so you can always message me and I'll respond on LinkedIn, certainly. Uh, so that's a really good way to find me. Um, you know, what I'm up to is, you know, um, I'm, I'm out looking for my next opportunity, but I'm also quite, I guess I'd say pragmatic about it, that it might take me a couple of years um, in finding the right fit. I've had a couple of opportunities uh, so far. Um, and, you know, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to say no to them. It's like, Oh, you know, but if it's just not the right, the right time or fit for you, then you have to kind of go, uh, pass, pass on that um, chance and move on. So, so, uh, that's kind of what I'm up to. Um, reading, I just finished a book called, um, uh, white fragility. You know, I picked that up off the news with, when uh, some CEO was flying on uh, Southwest Airlines and was reading that. And I thought, oh, I should get that book. And so I just finished that book, and that was real helpful. So I'm um, staying up with, you know, some really good reading now and uh, doing some online classes because I think that's what everybody has to do during these times. So 
so doing those sorts of things and certainly spending spending time with my immediate family awesome very cool well hey everybody go follow wendy appreciate you wendy coming on the show thanks for all the advice the tips and the mentorship that you've given me and i know many others as well so you take care and we will talk to you soon thanks a lot phil it's been my pleasure if you enjoyed today's show, give it a five-star rating, follow, subscribe, and head on over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more about the Go Lead Everything movement. For more great content daily, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at RealPhilSwanson, Facebook and LinkedIn at PhilipSwanson, and for videos of these episodes and other great video content daily, subscribe to the Phil Swanson channel on YouTube. Now go lead everything.